Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I am Jason. And I am John, and we are glad to be back with our first episode of November of the Mav Puck Cast this season, which is not something we'd normally be saying. Normally, we would have gotten to talk about a bunch of games and a bunch of other fun stuff associated with uh, yeah, the gameplay, game atmosphere, etc. And we haven't gotten to do any of that because of this global pandemic that is messing hockey and everything else up. So we really appreciate that you guys have stuck with us through this and the change of schedules and the odd days and times that we've been posting. I know people probably got into a little routine over the last two seasons of us posting on Mondays. And this is one of those odd episodes that it's not a Monday that we're posting on. They're either disappointed or they were happy to have a break. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or they for completely forgot about us. <laughs> yeah. that's. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, those guys did a podcast. Oh, I yeah. totally forgot about that. <laughs> Remember those weirdos? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we actually have some games to talk about, which is, I think, a very exciting thing. Our, if you haven't gone back and listened to our first couple episodes here of Season 3, uh, we just kind of talked about the COVID and what that meant for college hockey, and we talked a little bit about NHL draft and prospects and incoming players and stuff, but we really didn't have any idea what the NCHC or NCAA was going to do with college hockey. And... Uh, we talked a little bit in the last episode about the pod, and now we actually have a schedule of games for the pod. Yeah, and it's fairly interesting. Uh, a few weeks ago, I listened to North Dakota coach Brad Berry in an interview with some media types. I believe they were from the uh, Twin Cities area. I recognize one of the guys from some of the NCHC game broadcasts talking about this potential pod, and he had alluded to the fact that the teams were basically going to play every other day. And so he said that North Dakota at that point was already practicing with that kind of schedule to sort of mentally prepare themselves for the upcoming pod series this December. Since they're, since the teams are going to play uh, an, an incredible number of games within a, about a three-week time period. I think we have three, three two-day gaps in there. Otherwise, it's every other day. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I heard I, I saw somebody online say this. Uh, they're not playing games on Monday, correct? On Mondays? Am I right on that? Oh, is everyone getting a break on that? I haven't, you know, I haven't dove into it to pay that much attention. I know yeah, I was lo looking at dates, but not paying attention to day of the week. But It looks like there won't be any games played on Monday, so that might be a day off for every team. I think that's good. I think that at this level especially with these teams not having any sort of preseason or warm up or anything, you know, jumping straight into NCHC games. We've talked about the strength of, of this conference in past podcasts and past seasons. So uh, that's a lot to ask of, of these players to come in and not only have to play at that level, but also have to play back-to-back -back games. Yeah. And while it is tough, I bet, you know, I bet on the one hand, I bet they're really going to enjoy just this glut of hockey for three weeks, you know, being hockey players, loving to compete. I think that they're probably going to enjoy that opportunity. Although, who knows, after a week of this, they may be completely exhausted. I I, I expect there'll be a lot of sleeping over the break uh, <laughs> around Christmas time because 
I'm sure they're ready to everything I've seen, at least on Twitter and stuff from some of the players and that, you know, they're, they look like they're ready to go and they're excited to get back on the ice. But I think about halfway through this, they're going to be like, Oh, this is a lot of hockey. (laughs) It is. I'll tell you what, it'll, it'll really help the team's depth for the second half of the season. You know, we always talk about how good the NCHC teams are uh, in a normal season, Uh, Can you imagine how strong they'll be in the second half? Uh, Unfortunately, they won't get an opportunity to play some of the other conferences, but um, it'll definitely help, especially a younger team like UNO. I think I think something like this will this season just entirely, however, it ends up ending because we don't know what will happen after the first of the year. I think this is a great opportunity for them to, you know, really be able to develop some of these younger guys in a really kind of concentrated time period and not have to wait days and days because you and I've talked about this before with these games in close proximity, you're going to see guys down the roster getting more playing time just because, you know, you don't want guys completely burned out by the time the second week of this thing rolls around. Yeah. And it's, it reminds me a little bit of, of, NHL playoff hockey in that, you know, injuries can play a bigger role at this time than they would in the regular season, you know, minor injuries in the regular season, you, you know, you might go down on a Friday or, uh, you know, you might get a, you know, just a nagging injury kind of thing. And you might miss a couple of shifts or miss a part of a, of a game or something on Saturday, but then you've got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to recuperate. So you'd see guys that are scratched from practices because they're uh, rehabbing, you know, a minor injury so that they'd be ready to go the next Friday, Saturday series, right? Well, when you're going every other day, there's like, if it's nagging injury, you've got to make the decision, am I sticking this out and, and playing through this? Or, you know, are you missing a game? Right. So some of those injuries that in the past we... You know, we would have kind of known about, but it it wouldn't have really affected the team. Sometimes some of those little injuries are going to start, you know, affecting some of these teams. And and we'll talk a little bit about our expectations for what UNO is going to see and, and come out of this. But, you know, the wild card in all of this is who gets hit by the injury bug. Right. Right. Yeah. There are a number of key positions that we have to look for. I I mean, I think goaltender being a big one, because that's going to be important in the pod hockey that we're going to be playing. And, uh, and well, like I said, it's also an opportunity to develop depth with some of those younger guys. I mean, we might see the third string goaltender get playing time when otherwise during a normal season, when there's a little bit more time to recuperate and, and more gaps between games, you know, that might not be as big of an issue. So, right. So let me run through this just to get okay. us all on the same page. Everyone who's listening can get a pen and paper together. I'm going to run through this if you don't want to have to go find the schedule. But this is who UNO plays in the pod. December well, what, 1st. Well, what I would say, up? Jason, to that, I would say be sure to pause it, go back. And if you have to come back tomorrow and Wednesday and after that and <laughs> re-listen to this podcast to write this schedule down. Because, you know, you don't want to take the time to look it up on the website even though it's no, there. no one, you, you want to no listen to this, to like you want to, to listen Twitter to this podcast over and over again. And then afterwards on Apple podcasts and other platforms, you want to give us a high rating, like five stars would be fantastic. So go ahead and yeah. do that while you're at it. We appreciate that. Yeah. So December 1st, uh, UNO opens with Cairo college. I'll tell you we what, will be that's, the home team. yeah, that's a, that's a, 
not only are we hosting all of these games, not only do we get 10 home games in this thing, we get to play Colorado College, what, twice during this uh, this uh, pod hockey thing in uh, Omaha? Yeah, we, uh, we have each of the teams that we play, we play twice. Okay, so... so. <laughs> So man, so, I don't know. I don't know how much we paid for this privilege of getting the ten home games and and getting getting CC twice, but that's a that's a that's an okay draw. I mean, they may be better this year, but uh, they lost some of their top uh, players from a few years ago. But but yes, continue, Jason. I I digress. So December third, we will be at our home arena, but we will be the away team. So this will be a. Little, I wonder about this one if they're going to make us sit on that bench because. <laughs> oh yeah, I almost want to go to the game just to be like. <laughs> They're on the wrong bench. They have do we to always walk. get our do we always get our bench? Can we just like was that part of the deal that we always get our home bench? I don't know. We'll no, see. I think I think so, they should make us go to the visitor locker room and have to walk out on the ice to get to the bench <laughs> like the visitors do here in Omaha. So December third, Western Michigan. December fifth, Miami. December sixth. Oh, so we do have a back to back game. Fifth and sixth. So okay, December so sixth, St. Cloud. Okay, so it's not a, it's not every other day like Brad Berry had alluded to in his interview. So that that was no. tweaked a little bit. Okay. Yeah, we've got two two back to backs. So we'll go back to back December fifth against Miami, December sixth against St. Cloud, and then we get our break, and we've got Cairo College again on the ninth, and then we get our other back to back, which is Miami and St. Cloud again, December twelfth and thirteenth, respectively. We see Duluth on the 16th as the away team, and then Western again on the 18th as the home team, and we finish as the home team against Duluth. Right, and as we uh, so ta- yeah, as we talked that's about- our pod schedule. Yeah, as we talked about, I think we talked about this in the last podcast. They divided the teams into East Division and West Division for travel purposes this season. So if I recall correctly, we, 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 the, the way it was structured was we play all of the East teams, which are Duluth, St. Cloud, Miami, and Western, and then one of the Western pod teams that we're with. So that team is Colorado College. So that's why we're playing them. And I don't know if the reason we're playing them in this is because, well, I mean, we wouldn't be further away from Colorado College than North Dakota is, but... Um, so anyway, that's kind of what I what we've been hearing, and that that did kind of follow that structure. So, but like you said, there are a couple ones where they play back to back days or nights or whatever the case may be. And so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be a, there's a there's an opportunity I think for UNO to uh, to get off to a really good start here. I think that a number of those teams are teams that they have an opportunity to get some some wins against. I'm assuming we're doing conference points the same way this season. Um, so, you know, who knows how they'll do. Um, what are you thinking? What do you think of their their schedule here for these first 10 games? And what do you think of their chances? I would say that, first off, I don't know that we could have gotten a much better draw from a schedule standpoint. Right. I mean, you knew the four teams coming across. So you looked at the other three teams in our conference, in, in our, our side of the conference with North Dakota, Denver, and Cairo College, and said, okay, 
North Dakota. I wouldn't. I would have been surprised if we got North Dakota just because. I mean, they're our home school. We always finish the season with them. You anticipate that when we get onto the road in the second half of the season, we start traveling and and playing in those arenas or something like we'd see them a lot. So it it would be odd to have us play them in the pod. So since they're for since me, they're I kind of okay partner. with Denver yeah. or CU or CC and Denver just. I don't care if they're good or bad. It just seems like they have UNO's number. So I, I'm thrilled that, and I, I'm just thrilled that CC is the team that we get because I think we can be a lot more competitive against that. And then on top of that, I mean, I think Western's, you know, our first big test, we get Kara College before we have to see them. So that will help. And we don't have to see Duluth at all until the 16th. I mean, the last four days, we will play them twice. So, we and we get to finish the pod as the home team against Duluth. So, it, it's really a favorable schedule, I think. Uh, I'm sure that Husker fans and stuff are kind of wondering, well, what the heck after the schedule that the Huskers got from the Big Ten on their restart. So... <laughs> This is like the polar opposite of that controversy. This is the like, who did Kemp pay to get this deal? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We as season ticket holders are going to be paying this off for the next 10 (laughs) years. Let's get the young head coach a good opportunity to start in a difficult season. And that's what I think they have. I think they have a great opportunity to get some wins early on, uh, build a foundation going in. Because that second half of the season, as as uh, you alluded to, we're going to play some difficult teams when you look at North Dakota and how good they look this season. And you look at Denver, a team that uh, we've been snake bit against the last few seasons. I think that there's a real opportunity. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to play Colorado College twice. St. Cloud uh, isn't what they were a couple of seasons ago. So I think that's a there's a great opportunity there. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. And you know, hold on. The key there is we're not playing St. Cloud at St. Cloud. That's right. And we have... same thing with Colorado College. Those two teams have, I argue, an unfair advantage, but it's certainly an advantage playing on a different size sheet of ice. The bigger ice, the Olympic size yeah. sheet. Yeah, we don't have to contend with that this season. You know, there have been some UNO teams under Dean Blaze that did really, really well on the bigger ice, but in recent years, we've we've had our struggles on the big ice, so... Like like we were saying, I think this is a great opportunity. We don't know who Mike Kemp had to pay off, but uh, but it could be money well spent. Uh, money well spent. Come uh, be a nice Christmas gift for Coach Gabinette and the crew uh, through crew there. So yeah. So let's talk about. I mean, I think we both agree that Western Michigan on the third is our first test, correct? Yeah, I would agree. So like, this is serious, you know, I mean, I don't want to overlook Kara College and and if they do, they'll lose the Kara College College or Kara College is certainly talented enough and a good enough team to beat us. Yeah, West, Western Western's been a solid Western team Michigan's under. Ranked, so. Yeah, Western Western Michigan's been a solid team under Andy Murray the past several years. I don't necessarily think that'll change this year. We've had success against Western Michigan here in Omaha. Um and obviously, early on in the season is a good time to have some success against uh, Western Michigan. That's the only time we're going to see them this season, unless uh, we see them again in, in postseason, whatever that may or may not look like. We don't know yet. 
Um, so yeah, I would say that that would be the first, the first real test. Um, you know, again, we don't, we don't know what, I mean, you would think Miami wouldn't be a test, but, but you know, we had, we had our struggles against Miami last season too. So it could be I mean, high scoring games. I, you know, at this point, I just don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking that the team will be improved another season. Um, especially when you look at the sophomores, we had talked about them in the the last podcast that we did. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know for sure what we're looking like, but yeah, Western looks tough or look, you know, Miami, we have no idea if they're going to improve this season, the second year under their new head coach. I don't know. So I will, how about I kick us off and say there's 10 games that we play. I think we win. I'm going to say we go six and four. I, I'm just going to throw ties out the window because, and, and the whole like, I just, it's so hard to predict when you might be in one of those situations. I think we get six wins, four non wins out of this. Do you yeah, need me to go I, into details on who I think we beat? Well, I, you know, I had the same thoughts, so thank you for totally stealing my okay. thunder there. Yes. You're you're thinking we have an opportunity <laughs> probably to get a couple of wins against Colorado College and a couple of wins against Miami. So that's four right there. That's and you four figure, by six right there. Right, and you figure we have an opportunity to get a couple of games against the other teams. Whether, you know, we get a win against Duluth or St. Cloud or whatever the case may be, you're looking at that. I think, we being, I think we beat St. Cloud once and we beat Western Michigan once. That's what I've got. Okay. And that makes That's sense. That's how I've got it shaken out. I could be wrong. Obviously, I could be wrong. I mean. But... And I think, I think that that's a fair prediction. Look at the teams that were in the bottom half of the conference with us last season in Colorado College and Miami and looking at those, that those are opportunities that we can sweep at home. You know, they're going to be you know, spending a lot of time away from home in a different place, spending time in a hotel room, not playing on their home ice. All of these games are home games for us, regardless of what bench we're sitting on and what uniform we're wearing. But I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, And then looking at the the two of the, the better teams, the last few years in the conference in St. Cloud and Minnesota Duluth and saying, we get splits against those two teams. I think that that would be a great start for the Mavs this season. I think ceiling, we might squeak out eight. Wow. I think you might steal, you could argue that they would steal a game against Duluth in addition to those and sweep St. Cloud. Yeah, Duluth. So our only two losses would be one loss with Western Michigan, one loss with with Duluth. That's how I like. If they can get out, if they can get out with that, I mean, that's just you're talking about a huge success for this team. You know, obviously every everyone wants to win every game they play, but no, very few teams, well, no teams in NCAA NCAA history has ever done that. So, you know, I think it's unrealistic to to expect that. So, I think. If you can come away like we said with with six wins, I think you're happy. That that's a that's a good bubble for you. 
that gives you a really strong base heading into having to play North Dakota uh, six times, Denver twice, uh, well, four to, four games against Denver, two series against Denver um, from, you know, basically January 1 through March 1, essentially, uh, is, is when that travel session is going to be. So, you know, we go into that with, with six wins under our belt. I think we're in a good position. I think if we only come away with, two or three wins, that's when you really start looking at going something seriously wrong. Yeah. And at that point, unless, unless there's some major injury story or, um, some sort of pandemic related story uh, that affects the team. But although if that happens, I, you know, this whole thing could get shut down. So what I would say is I, I think that there are a couple of enigmas. I think that this season, St. Cloud state, and Minnesota Duluth are kind of enigmatic teams. They've been so good uh, over the last few years, taken collectively. Um, it's hard to know what those teams are going to be like this season. So uh, it'll be really fascinating to see how UNO does against them. But I, like you, I I would pick six and four for these first ten pod games for UNO. Um, I think that would be a great start. But like you said, uh, if if uh, they could. Uh, kind of, you know, roll the, you know, roll the dice, you know, get some puck luck in there, uh, you know, get some tired teams that are just worn out. And it's, it's hard for them being away from, uh, from their home, uh, home campus and hometown. Uh, they might have the opportunity to roll off eight games playing their first 10 at home. That's, that's not something yeah. that uh, teams uh, normally have the opportunity to do. So it's a great opportunity for UNO and I hope they take advantage of it. So let's talk about, before we move on to anything else, how about other games that kind of excite us? And I'll throw out the first one because it's Wednesday, December 2nd. It's the second day of the pod tournament. And you've got number five Denver at number three Minnesota Duluth. Yeah. That is a game I will... We don't have times. I know there's some people are probably like, well, you tell me what time these things are. (laughs) We don't know what time these games are yet. I don't care what time that game is. I'm watching that game. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a potentially a great matchup and uh, excited to see how that shakes out there. There's some really kind of intriguing matchups. If you look just conference wide in these first 40 games that we play in the, you know, first three weeks or so of December. So yeah, no, I think that'll be a I think that'll be a potentially a terrific game. But there are some others. I mean, I think you look you look at like on uh, Saturday, December uh, December fifth, uh, St. Cloud versus Denver. I think that's a potentially exciting matchup too. I mean, there are some interesting kind of stories within a story, and and what makes these games so exciting, you know, now that we're not you know focused on UNO here for this this little bit of a segment, these are all neutral site games. So anything could happen. You don't have right. that home ice advantage. And there could be, it could be kind of like NCAA tournament games a little bit where, you know, you could have some really kind of surprises um, throughout these three weeks. That's what I think is really cool well, about it. That game will be interesting. Denver the night before on December 4th plays North Dakota. Oh yeah. That, that has the potential to be a so, great matchup too. I mean, you've got, you've got Denver in, you know, an interesting game to start. And then you've also got them against North Dakota and then a back-to-back game and they have to play St. Cloud. That's, that's going to make that St. Cloud game really interesting because they could worst case scenario, you Denver walks into that game 
Owen too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about how this is a great opportunity for UNO to play their first 10 games at home. But when you mm-hmm. consider the neutral side aspect, I mean, you look at a team like Miami that struggled the past several seasons. This is an opportunity where, you know, this is a team that normally you look at you look at both Western Michigan and you look at Miami, you look at the kind of traveling that they have to do to get to the heart of this conference, to get to Grand Forks, to get to Duluth, to get to Denver, to get to, you know, Colorado Springs. And so here they're all in the same place and they're going to get to play all these games without having to deal with bus, plane, combination of both these kind of long travel schedules for them. Lost luggage, sticks getting broken in transport. I mean, all those kind of crazy things that happen when you have road. Exactly. So this is a, this is a a real opportunity for, for a program that's, that's trying to improve their fortunes, uh, after the, after the lengthy tenure of, uh, Enrico Blasi came to an end. So, so they have a real opportunity too. And again, I don't know, look, I, I hope that they don't, you know, find success against UNO for sure. But, um, you look at some of these other games that they're playing, they may have the opportunity to, uh, to do something. It'll be interesting to see in the kind of the, the, the pod capper on, on December 20th, you know, UNO gets Duluth, Miami gets North Dakota, and Denver plays St. Cloud that day. That is a great series of games. And, you know, I don't know if Jason and I have to, you know, try to get jobs as, you know, custodians at uh, Baxter Arena or, uh, you know, uh, volunteer to. uh, I know how to run a camera. Yeah. Just putting that out there. (laughs) He does know how to run a camera. This guy does fantastic fantastic uh not only does he do fantastic facebook lives but he also does uh periscope on twitter which we know uno uses extensively for uh events at baxter arena so you know um, i mean we're available to do uh, live podcasts in the lobby too i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. just saying we'll we'll mask up we'll wear hazmat suits whatever we need to do <laughs> to see some of these great games yeah the the weekend games for those that that are making plans um, clear your schedule. I mean, three games a day on Saturday and Sunday It'll be a lot of hockey going on. There's gonna be a lot of hockey on TV in our place. That's for sure. That, yeah. Same with us. I enjoy watching college hockey throughout the season. And this is, this is going to be great. This is going to be a, a Christmas present come early in the month of December. So we say on TV because I think both of us anticipate that, uh, the ordinary everyday fan, even those like ourselves, who so one of us has an attendance streak to consider, um, maybe we may have the door shut in our face, unfortunately. We may. You know, one of the reasons that they put this pod hockey schedule together, and I, I would say the main reason is because of uh, safety for the teams, concerns about COVID spreading among teams and and like a lot of sports fans, we've been following professional sports and college sports the past six, seven months. And in particular, this fall with uh, college and NFL football season going on, you've seen situations where players and teams have had, you know, COVID outbreaks and COVID struggles. And there's been a mix of, of strategies about the number of fans that have been in the stands. I don't know if you watched any of that. I happened to flip by, uh, the last part of the game, it was a really entertaining game. The part that I saw the Notre Dame Clemson game on Saturday night. Yeah. 
and watch it watching the fans storm storm the field during our age of masks and social distancing. I mean, it looked like there were a lot of fans at that game just in general. And obviously it was a big game, but you know, some, some football operations have a lot of people uh, at their games. Some don't have any like the big 10 football, which is something that we're dealing with here in Nebraska. I think they're, they're limited to parents or something. And when we had talked on the last podcast, you and I had talked about the fact that, you know, we didn't think that they were going to allow fans for this pod at all. We didn't think that that was the focus, but then we got an email from UNO regarding our season tickets for this season uh, shortly after that podcast where, uh, and the letter was signed by Mike Kemp. I don't know that he formulated the whole thing, but, um, and it said that they might for this hockey pod allow 1000 to 1500 fans per game. And that a chunk of that would be player parents from each of the eight participating teams which I thought was interesting and I was a little bit surprised and I'm going to give you my reasoning on this. You and I have texted back and forth along with Bridget and Jolene. You know, there's only one player on any of these teams by my cursory research that is from the Omaha metro area. And that is Ethan Frank on the Western Michigan uh, Bronco team. The next closest player I believe is Ames, Iowa. And then there might be one from Waterloo, but most of these players are from, you know, Minnesota, you've got guys from Michigan, you've got guys from all over North America and guys, a player here or there from Europe. I'm kind of surprised that they would be encouraging or even just approving player parents coming in for this event. And I know that that makes me sound like I'm insensitive to the needs of parents. I know that you're a youth hockey parent yourself, Jason. I know I'm the guy without kids, so... I will apologize up front, but it surprises me in this time where you're trying to keep the players safe and you're trying to create a safe environment for them that you would encourage people to travel in for this NCHC event. Because this is not obviously, you know, the the NCHC holiday hockey festival. This is, you know, kind of a dire circumstances. We're trying to put something together to get as many games in the first half of the season as we can. And I'm kind of surprised not only would they encourage parents, but that they would have any sort of kind of general fan at this event. I really thought that this would be a thing where it'd be closed off to fans and just really the essential kind of team personnel with each of the eight participating teams. You know what I'm saying? And they might, maybe you have broadcast crews up in the uh, the press box and that type of deal, but, but limiting it to just the essential people to kind of play the games, have the teams function, and have the games broadcast on NCHC TV. I, you know, I see where you're coming from. I think I get to the same place in just a different route. I mean, to me, part of it is a a fairness pitch of how do you, how do you have equity in the situation? Right. You know, a lot of a lot of these players come from outside of the United States. Right. And even on a normal non-COVID hockey game, their parents have limited opportunities for them to to attend a game. Right. And now you throw into that these restrictions with travel restrictions and stuff from Canada and some European countries and things like that. I mean, 
you know, there's some parents that may have the means and ability to come that, you know, because of those things are not allowed to come. And then on top of that, you're going to say, okay, well now, even if you could come and you could find a way around the, these restrictions or something, um, how, how do you, you know, make sure that you're not turning away a parent in favor of Joe Schmo off the street type of thing, right? Yeah, some eager beaver so, North Dakota fan that wants to come to this event, you know? Right. The so the logistics of like how you how you choose which fan base gets, you know, access to to the arena and and then then you have to ask yourself as a fan too, like what is your experience going to the game? I love going to a game, but it's an atmosphere thing. Right. And when you look at Baxter and say, we're going to fill it a tenth of what it normally is. You know, yeah, it's a, ten, a tenth, but 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 maybe maybe like a fourth of the arena, 25% is like 2,000 seats. So when you're talking 1,000 to 1,500, you're kind of, you're, you're below that. Less but you're than sort a quarter. Of, yeah. Right. So like what... What kind of experience? No, you know, no food service. Right. No alcohol. No, you know, no raffle events. No, like you're literally just going. It's it's going to be like if you're thinking if you're thinking you might get tickets and you might go to this. If you've never seen a youth hockey game, it's basically <laughs> a youth hockey game with kids that actually know how to play. Like, yeah, I mean. It's going to be weird. It, it is. It's going to be bizarre. And like you said, we talk about this a lot. It's I, I like to talk about my attendance streak, which I believe is 486 or 480. I've seen every UNO home game. And of all people, you know, I want to be at those games. But I also understand that, you know, cases are increasing. Cases are spiking in Omaha. A number of the high schools which we're doing in-person learning are now talking about going back and doing all remote learning this last week. We have new DHMs that put in more restrictions through the end of November, uh, which I'm, I'm almost sure will probably extend into December. You know, there's, there's a limit on indoor arenas that's 25% now. And, uh, and, and that's, that's kind of a back to the future thing. It's kind of a new old thing that's going on. And, and they've been saying that for youth sports and high school type sports, that it's, you know, in household family only that are allowed to come to games. So I, again, we love the parents. You love the parents. I love the parents. Yeah. Parents are great. We've gotten to know a number of parents over the years uh, that we've seen after the games and at games and blue line club events and things like that. But I, I just don't think encouraging that would be a good thing. Plus, the schedule's weird for it. As, as somebody pointed out in the Map Hook Facebook group, you know, it's weird the way that they schedule the games. Obviously, on weekends, sometimes if you look, the teams will play games two nights in a row. But it's kind of weird with that every other day type of schedule. It's it's weird because I don't exactly know what the – I don't know if they have, you know, a desire to try and generate some revenue on this thing. Like if you look at the thing and let's say, and obviously some of this would be parents, but let's just say for argument's sake that they charged everybody to come in and they sold 1,500 tickets, for example. You know, 
let's say they charge $20 per seat for each of those games. I mean, I don't know, Jason, but that would be $30,000 a game times, what, 40 games? That'd be $1.2 that they could potentially gross on this event if they sold every seat, which I'm I'm not saying that they would because I, I don't know that the there would be that much interest for the non-UNO games. But I don't know. It, it just seems antithetical to me when you're trying to promote safety to also have fans come to these games. And I, I know that this is going to probably cost the conference and the member schools some some money. But I, I just, like you said, I don't know how you do this equ- equitably, whether it's parents but, traveling or fans traveling from other places. Right. Who do you, you know what I'm saying? Remember, too, like, when you start doing that math, and I've seen that argument about, like, oh, if you have, you know, if you have a thousand fans at every game, it's, you know, X amount of revenue, right? Right. But what you don't realize is that there's costs associated with that, too. Right. And, and I keep seeing it going, you people, like, if you're if you're making those posts on Mavpuck, <laughs> please God factor in the cost of doing so. Because if you say if there are no fans in the arena, you don't have to staff certain parts. You don't have to have ticket you know, takers. Even close to the same level of security. Yeah, ticket takers, box office staff, things like that. Like there's a lot of support staff that you don't have to have if there are not fans in the stands. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, the NCHC should step in and say the pod is the pod. It is essential staff only. The NCHC approves who can and cannot be in the arena. It is not fans. It may be some family members that are approved uh, to be in there. And, and that's, I mean, that's on them to say, these are the people that we allow in, but at least then they're not selling tickets and they're not having to support the arena because I am confident that if you have a thousand people or 1500 people in that arena, you're hoping to break even if they pay. And remember that family members don't pay even in the regular season, family members don't pay student athletes get student tickets for their families so that their families right. don't they, always have to pay. They, they definitely do comp tickets. And I understand that. I just, I didn't know because this is an NCHC event, whether that would happen or not. I mean, and I, I stand by my thing. I don't think they should encourage parents to attend this thing. I just, this is the type of thing that considering what, what's going on in our world right now, and I, I don't mean to make too big of a deal about it, but this is the type of thing that could have the potential to go south real fast. And I know they can say, well, you know, we would we would make it so that if the parents came into town, the the players couldn't interact with them. But I mean, we all know how I mean, we, we all know how these things go when teams are away from the ice. And obviously they're playing in a very rapid schedule, so they're not going to have that much downtime. But you know what I'm saying? I remember, you know, Bridget and I were at a series at Northern Michigan back in 2006, and we happened to be staying at the hotel that the the team was staying at. And I remember this was after the, the second game in the series, the Saturday night game. Um, there were a number of players on our floor, and Bridget and I heard the director of hockey operations going around knocking on the doors to make sure that the players were asleep and and were in bed and and they all were and then a few minutes later we hear doors start to open and we hear hushed voices in the hallway and Bridget and I look out the peephole and crack open the door and the players are putting their coats on and they got their track suits on and they're getting ready to go out and have some fun and we heard later I, I if I recall correctly that they went to a uh, Northern Michigan fraternity party. So you didn't hear that from me, people of the world on this podcast. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of funny. It just, you know, it's it's hard when you're dealing with young guys who who like to have a good time. You, we just don't know if 
the players will get together throughout this. I know that they're going to try to be strict, but I my feeling is if this is about safety, I'd like them to minimize it as much as possible because like we've talked about, this could go south very quickly. And the last thing you want to have is a situation where somebody gets sick at this thing. You know, and, and right now, you know, if you look at the numbers and you look at kind of the trends that are going on in Omaha, and especially when you're dealing with a time right after Thanksgiving when a lot of people will get together, there are a lot of things that could potentially happen. And I, I don't know if the NCHC wants to deal with the the PR issues that that might cause. And if Omaha as a city stays, you know, at the facility level that they're at with the you know, stress that it's putting, that COVID's already putting on our hospital system and stuff here. I just don't think you can, especially for a university that's connected to a med center, you know, in good conscience say, yeah, let's, let's take a calculated risk. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but it's, it it just seems unnecessary to me. Like as much as it pains me to say it, because I'd much rather, we all be in the arena the you know the way it was in the spring right like i'd rather yep. we all be together cheering our team on exactly or i'm hoping for the best um i just think that the times are different right now and now's the time to say at least we have hockey right and if you're listening to this and you're saying it's gonna suck not seeing my team the next thing we want to let you know is, is that there is a way that you can see these games. The NCHC has announced that all of the games in the pod and after the pod will be broadcast with a few exceptions after the pod, but certainly all the in pod games will be broadcast on NCHC TV. Yeah. And some of the people out there listening are NCHC annual pass members who have their account renew every year. And that will be renewing shortly and it'll be 112 uh, 95 like it was last season. Same price as it was last season. But, no if, but if you're just interested in watching this 40-game pod hockey extravaganza, they will offer a forty four ninety five uh plan. A pod pass. A pod pass. Not a podcast, a pod pass. Yes. Just need a link. We, you, you need to clarify Make sure we there. enunciate that properly so that people don't, you know. Yeah, see, we have a. They're going to actually start right. talking to you because they're see, not going to do we, that. We have a free pod pass for our podcast. And like we were talking about, Jason was talking about with these games being played in quick succession that we might be doing a podcast every other day. And I think we're just like cringing. And, and Bridget's comment was, as long as they're less than an hour each. <laughs> <laughs> Bridget, Bridget and Jolene are both kind of like, well, I'd listen Did to your we podcast. How supportive they are of yeah. our craziness. We'd listen to your podcast, but they go on and on and on, and we just don't have time to do that. So, so yeah, so we get all kinds of support for this uh, this effort. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see them. Um, you know, they they told that they said on the NCHC website that all games in the pod will be produced with high definition broadcast TV quality. So I hope that that's the case. I, you know, obviously I'm assuming they're using, you know, UNO's equipment to broadcast this. Now, maybe they're going to bring in enhanced equipment because I went back, obviously the UNO home games, I was there for all of them as I have been since the program started with its very first game back in 1997. So 
you know, they the UNO broadcasts were good. I don't know that they were always great. Sometimes the white balance was horribly off on those games on the ice. Right. But um, it's possible that they might bring in some sort of a broadcast partner to maybe produce the webcasts. I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating with that. But I hope that the uh, webcasts are consistently good. I hope that there aren't any, you know, connectivity issues or streaming issues or speed issues or buffering issues or any of that through their uh, service provider that that does uh, the streaming uh, on these games. Well, and I've had... We did a podcast, talked about this last season, about sidearm and the transition and, and that. And right. I would say that I was fairly mediocre on that situation. I was certainly not impressed by their offerings. So hopefully they've gotten their stuff together and have a better, um, better package. I haven't opened up the app in a while on the TV or on my device. And I think that'll be something I do here in the next couple of days is just to kind of familiarize myself with the updates. Cause I've seen the updates come through, but hopefully they do a much better job of making it easy to find the games and access the games to watch the games, especially if I'm, you know, shelling out $113 or $45 for a pod pass or something. Well, when you look at like the Apple TV app and you and I are kind of streaming snobs anyway, so we'll, we'll qualify all this by saying that, but I wish that there was a a better way on there to have an archive of, of all the games that have been webcast. And I don't know what happens to those. I don't know if it's, you know, limited storage for them, but I, I would love to be able to go back and watch certain games, you know? Especially in this format, when there's when you're figuring, you know, each team is playing ten games, right? Right. I mean, that's that's a lot of hockey, and there's plenty of people that I think they're going to be like, I've got to work during the day. I can't watch this afternoon game. You know, this is one of you know, the this is one of the difficult aspects, Jason, is that they have not announced game times. And I don't know when they're going to do that. I don't know if it's going to be right before this stuff happens that they do it or if, uh, you know, in a, a few weeks. But you have do to anticipate like you can figure it out. Right. You know, their their odds are they're going to want, you know, a game in the evening, probably a local six or seven p.m. start time. You right. want a primetime slot. So if you you can do that and work backwards. So if we've got a six o'clock te- start time, how much time do you need between the end of game one and the start of the, the six o'clock game, right? Right. So if you need two hours to cure ice, get the teams out, sterilize locker rooms, do all benches, that, all that sure. stuff, get everything right, right? So you need two hours to do that. So now you need your afternoon game to be done at four o'clock, right? Right. So you're basically running a noon or one o'clock game and a six or seven o'clock game. Yeah. That's what I anticipate. Well, and there some of those days, though, there are three games per day. You know what I'm saying? They're all on the weekends. The three Those are all games. weekend games, yeah. And they could go and, later on weekends. Well, because they could have a morning, afternoon, evening. Right. So you'd now be having like a nine... 
a nine, one and six or something like that. No. And, and I was just, and, and part of the reason I was mentioning this was because on the outside chance that they, that they go against our, our safety recommendations here on the map podcast and they allow fans to go to games. I, you know, I will obviously try to go to those games, right. but it would be nice. Cause obviously, you know, we contrary to popular belief, you know, Bridget and I do work during the day and Bridget, you know, teaches, for example, online trainings to people who are becoming self-employed and starting businesses for the first time during the day. And those things are scheduled in advance. And it's really, really hard to know when to schedule those things for the month of December, not knowing the first week of December, first three weeks of December, when our hockey team happens to be playing on the particular days that they are playing their pod hockey games. Are they going to be primetime games? Because if they're evening games, that's not a problem. But if, you know, UNO's playing at, you know, noon, like you had mentioned, then the question becomes, you know, would we be able to rearrange it? It's all about me being able to rearrange my schedule so I can watch these games live on NCHC TV, Jason, and or on the off chance that, you know, miracles ha- miracles happen and we can actually go. But you could be right. Or, you know, it could be they could do these games. You had mentioned, what, noon and six potentially for these games? Yeah. I mean, when you figure it's about two and a half, three hours for a hockey game, so... Yeah, I mean, or they could do them or they could do them later in the day. You know what I'm saying? They could start the first one at You I mean I You could like I like guess it, it depends on what they have to do. Right. But you could do a two o'clock, six o'clock start times. That's a right. possibility. I think that anything after if you're wanting to start the last game at, at six o'clock, anything after two o'clock, you're pushing it to get that six o'clock game in. Well, and you have to figure in in this situation, what do you care? Like you don't have to push it. You don't, you're not having to work around anything else. There are no youth sporting events. There's no other activities that are going on at Baxter. This is the only game in town as far as Baxter arena is concerned. No, I guess, I guess the only thing you would have to think about would be practice time for the other teams. Although those teams potentially could practice somewhere else in Omaha, but as has been mentioned by the youth ho- or the just the hockey community here in Omaha, Baxter Arena will be shut off to rec and youth hockey games during the time of the pod games at Baxter Arena. So that further kind of uh, limits the ice time for hockey interests here in Omaha. So it's going to be tough getting ice and time Baxter does have a community sheet that they can use so they could obviously practice on that I don't know how they would stagger those uh, practice times and and whatnot for that but it could be and again it goes back to my point in the previous segment about are they planning to have fans is this are we mm-hmm. trying to make money is this the is this going to be the NCHC holiday hockey festival I, I don't think it is, but like you said, if, if that's not a concern and you're not having fans there and you're not worried about potential, you know, ticket sales, viewership on broadcast as much, that type of stuff, then yes, you could have games at noon or, or even earlier in the day. You know what I'm saying? It's just, right. it's, it's hard to know what the, what the mindset is, you know, do they want more time in the morning or more time at night? I don't, I don't know, but it'll be interesting well, to see. I don't know that, I don't know that anyone who works, uh, at my offices listens to my podcast so i'm pretty i'm probably safe to say this but um 
you'll probably find a correlation between a long afternoon meeting and the days that UNO is playing hockey. <laughs> uh, it's you're absolutely right. It's the same for us. Everybody knows that hockey is uh, is uh, our top priority. So I I don't know. I I'm it's it's weird because a lot of fans like you know I've seen fans of other teams on Twitter. They're they're kind of excited, but in the same breath, they mentioned that they're not that excited because, you know, they're not going to get to watch the games in person. And I think that that's right. that's that's a tough thing. It's kind of a sort of a, a subdued feeling, I think. And it is for me, too. It's like if this were a thing that I could go to, I don't you know, it doesn't matter how much it would cost. I, it'd be so cool to get to go to all those games and be like, you know, going to, you know an NCAA regional like on steroids with right. all of these teams that aren't your particular team playing. It'd be really cool. So, you know, all those out of town fans and stuff though, have already come to grips with the fact that they're not going to see their team because right. they probably already looked at saying, I'm, I can't take three weeks off of work. I can't head to Omaha. Omaha's too far. Something along those lines. Right? right. COVID is such that I can't travel. So they've already come to grips with that fans, UNO fans and, and us. And I think specifically, we're at this like turmoil of like, there's still a chance we can go. I know that's I'm what's, that's what's so this, hard. Like, sliver of hope that I know isn't there. This is why I made the comment that I would have rather be held in Grand Forks. And everybody's like, John, what are you saying? You want people, UNO to play their games in Grand Forks? And it's like, well, yeah, because then I don't, if I'm that, that, that would be, that'd be like, I'm not tempted. Yeah. I'm not tempted to go to grand forks for the series. So they, I basically look at those as, you know, ten, the first 10 road games for UNO is basically how I would look at it. And so this is a, a much more difficult situation. But again, I look at this situation as we talk about fans and, and how we're going to watch the games and everything else is that, you know, the fans around the NCHC are expected to, you know, make sacrifices this season for the good of the conference, the good of the teams, everything else. And when we look at attendance at something like this, and I look at some of the decisions of other like local sports interests, like uh, the Creighton basketball team is an example, Jason, they announced that they're going to start the season without fans. And they're one of the top right. sports draws here in Omaha drawn, you know, 20,000 for, you know, division one basketball games. Um, I look at that kind of sacrifice that, you know, we're all making and I I look at this thing and I think there's part of me that that thinks it would probably be appropriate to not have fans yeah. for these pod games. Shall we move on to some lighter news? Yes, let's move Stop on to I mean, I don't think that that was that serious. I mean, we were we did no, pretty it good. Wasn't. But, it but was yes, just, it was just right there it kind of just tailed off i was like let's it's, it's going up. to get really dark on this podcast <laughs> if if there are fans that are able to go and jason and i are not able to go that that will it, it will be a bloodbath on this podcast so buckle up folks one benefit to the abnormal recording and release schedule that we have been on is that some news dropped today that we get to kind of close out the podcast with. And that news is the new captain and alternate captains for the UNO Mavericks this season. Um, some incredibly deserving players this season and some players that you and I have both talked about being in leadership roles. 
and I'd have to, I guess you'll have to give your opinion. I am not surprised by really any of these names. No, I'm not either. The only one, there's only one that I'm kind of like, okay, we'll see. But not because he's not deserving or anything like that. It's just as a former coach and a guy who thinks weirdly, I guess. And that's right, fans. I know he what does, happens when does you give weirdly. a letter to a guy that is, you know, a a reliable offensive weapon. So that's what I'll say. So the captain <laughs> that's for as, your that's Mavericks. As, that's as clear as mud. We've we've got four captains um, on the season. Three of them are forwards. I don't know what he's talking about, but you know, <laughs> we'll get there. Um, okay, so captain for the 2020 2021 season will be Kevin Conley. Right, and I think that that is a great pick. You and I have talked about him and his leadership abilities. He was he was a terrific player last season. Absolutely I, terrific. He was an alternate last year. Yep. I think that he was, I, you know, you never know what, what goes through the coaching staff and, and, and players and stuff, but you've got to think that he, he had some chance of being the captain last year. He was that, I mean, it was that obvious that he was a leader even when he wasn't the leader so it totally makes sense that um you slap that that c on his chest this year and say definite leadership skills with conley transfer from uh, denver university 12 goals and 15 assists last season yeah i'm i we've been impressed with him and and i i think it makes complete sense for him to be captain this season great pick i think as usual when you you know if your captain's not a defenseman, you usually make sure that, you know, one of your alternate captains is a defenseman. Nate Konepke will be one of the alternate captains this season. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, that's interesting. Another transfer from Minnesota. <laughs> and uh, yeah, UNO's done really well the last, we talked about this in the last podcast. UNO's done well with transfer students on the team. And mm-hmm. again, he's a good, solid defenseman, veteran player, good leader. I'm, uh Yeah. I'm, Smart kid makes yep. good choices, and that's going to be a big thing for this defense this year. We talked about in the first podcast and and the second podcast, both of them. We talked about you know what the expectation was and what you know the defense needed to do, what the offense needed to do to have success this season. And so he's going to be you know a key piece of whether or not they can perform to that level and and have success. Oh, absolutely. The one that I I say that I question, but not really question in the sense, like again, that I don't think he deserves it or anything. Um, junior forward Taylor Ward is one of our alternate captains, and uh, to provide some clarity to my statement, um, in the past as a captain, as a coach, I've found that sometimes when you give goal scorers like Taylor Ward that responsibility, um, their focus unfortunately gets diverted because you know they have that role um 
I, I'm not in the locker rooms. I don't know. Sometimes these kids just, it, it's the way they are and, and they naturally gravitate to those positions and, and they'll be fine with it. And there's plenty of examples out there of guys that are in that role that are just fine. And, and I think Taylor Ward is one of those that can be um, still productive. The thing is, is that he can't get caught up in, in the leadership too much in, in the sense of like off ice leadership he needs to be a leader by example and keep his offensive production because if he struggles this year in any way for whatever reason, whether that's because he's an alternate captain or not, um, this team's going to have problems. Yeah, you know, you see different things, and we've seen different things with the Mavericks over the years. A lot of people, when they when they think of team leadership, they'll think of guys like like a guy in the early two thousands, like a Mike Lefley, who. You know, I will admit he was not the most skilled player on the team. He was one of those kind of workhorse, lunch pail type of guys, but he had the great leadership uh, abilities, not only to fire up and motivate uh, his teammates, but uh, also to deal with, uh, you know, talking to the officials during the game, et cetera. And so that's that's kind of one example. And a lot of times when people look to players to provide leadership, it's those kind of gritty, solid veteran players that have been around a long time, that have played a lot of hockey, that can uh, that can provide those leadership skills in the locker room and on the ice. But then there have also been moments like when you look at a guy who was a pure goal scorer for UNO, like a Scott Parse. And that's a guy who he was a very, very quiet player. He was not a very vocal or verbal player. And it seemed kind of odd when Mike Kemp made him captain of the team. And it was kind of like, does he possess the greatest leadership abilities or is he just the best player on your roster? Which at that time, Scott Parse was the best player on UNO's roster. And that's kind of the way it is with Taylor Ward. And I, I kind of think that that's what you're getting at a little bit. This guy is our best offensive threat and has been the past couple of seasons. So does he possess the, the biggest leadership ability? He's got a, he's got a good prep, you know, pedigree. You look at his dad, Dixon Ward, who played at North Dakota. We've watched some video. We watched some profiles on him. He seems like a guy with who's very vocal with good leadership abilities. So, I think it's a I think it's a good pick, and it'll be interesting to see if he wears uh, if he wears the C, you know, next season. He's a junior. You always wonder is he here next season? So I know Jason. Jason is always else. worried about them leaving and going pro. I was worried about that before this season when COVID hit and they started talking about delaying seasons. I was like, you know, if the NHL jumps on and says this is when we're starting, that's a really lucrative thing for kids to make a, a, a pitch out and say, there's no reason to stay in college. So I'm mm -hmm. glad to see them returning. Well, you're, you um, know, you're, you're absolutely right we'll on see. that. Yeah. You're absolutely right on that point, Jason. I think, I think that that's why there was so much pressure for these teams to play this season, because from a financial point of view, it might have actually been easier for them to not play. Mm -hmm. But because of the opportunities for these players to not only play professionally in the United States, but overseas in Europe, I do wonder if there were concerns about losing some guys early or or losing some you know future recruits altogether if they didn't play this season you know so right. so exactly so i yes i know that's a concern of yours and uh and uh i'm hoping he's here the full four years because he's been a a really pleasant player to watch so i think the people that listen to the podcast 
if this isn't your first podcast episode for the Mav Puck cast, uh, you're probably not surprised by the last alternate captain. Um, others, maybe. Quite honestly, you don't see too many sophomores that that step into that role. But I think both you and I talking before the podcast and, and what we've said on the podcast in the past, this is not a surprise to either of us. But Nolan Sullivan is the third of our alternate captains. Uh, yeah, a great a great freshman outing last season for Nolan Sullivan. You and I saw the leadership abilities. We actually saw the leadership abilities before he played for UNO when we went to see him play, uh, I believe it was the season before, for mm-hmm. the Mus- he was playing for the Muskegon Lumberjacks. Muskegon. Yeah, in the USHL yeah. when they came to play the Omaha Lancers. And he was a player that impressed us then, uh, not only with his face-off ability, but he seemed like a player who had real presence on the ice. And, and we certainly saw that last season. You know, seven goals, 10 assists. Good off, solid offensive outing for him last season, but I, I think that he's a player that we see is uh, is becoming one of the leaders on this team over the next couple of seasons. I would make this statement and tell me if you would kind of agree with this or not, but he seems to me, Nolan seems to me, as kind of like the next Kevin Conley. Like the, yep, that I would leadership agree. style between the two of them seems a lot the same, so it'll be really interesting to see if, you know, Kevin just kind of brings Nolan along and next year, you know, Nolan's the captain. So, yeah, he very well could be wearing the C next season for sure. So, yeah, I, you know, I think he's a great pick and, and all these guys, all these guys really made up, made up the core of our team last season. When you think about the success that we had, you know, these, these four players were right at the center of it. So I think, you know, I think these were good picks by Coach Gabinets, and uh, yeah. So that's all the news of the day that we have, really. Uh, yeah, I think, in, uh, inevitably the minute this podcast ends, some breaking piece of news will show up on Twitter, and uh, and Jason will yeah. be like, why, 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 hockey gods? <laughs> why couldn't we be able to talk about it? But to be sure, if I there's... I swear Kemp's sitting there waiting. I know we've got this done. We're just waiting for them to do that stupid podcast thing that they do. And... Yeah, so we can release all the controversial news that we know that they want to discuss after they've done the podcast. So it'll be another week. So, you know, time has kind of kind of uh, eased the tension from it. So we'll just have to see. But if there is more news, certainly we'll be back on the podcast. Because Jason and I need to gear up for the, you know every other day schedule of talking about <laughs> the UNO hockey teams <laughs> pod games. Cause we are not waiting till after a, you know, three week, 40 game tournament to give you a, uh, you know, three and a half hour recap. Bridget is not going to like that if we do that. So <laughs> <laughs> our support will, will be, will dwindle quickly. <laughs> Hey, yeah, exactly. But it's exciting times. We're talking about hockey. We'll have to see how things go. Hopefully, there won't be some disaster. Uh, hopefully, we'll get these games in. We'll get these games played, and it'll be interesting to see how everything's handled. But I'm sure they'll have more news on that in the future. And and as I said uh, moments ago, we'll be back here to talk about it. But uh, but in the meantime, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Mab Puck cast. Uh, if you want to follow Mab Puck, be sure to follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. Uh, and you can find links to all of our social media as well as back episodes of this podcast at mavpuck.com. And until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs. Go Mavs.